all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today on the show, I'm going to have Lee Jenkins, who's the Executive Director of the Mississippi uh, Brain Injury Association, as well as Bethany Gaillet, who is a mom of a traumatic brain injury survivor. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, traumatic brain injury and how you can get involved to help support TBI awareness. If you have a question or a comment, please give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning and welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And today I have the great pleasure of having two lovely ladies with me in studio. I have Lee Jenkins, who's the executive director of the Brain Association of Brain Injury Association of Mississippi, and Bethany Gaillet, who is the mother of a brain injury um, survivor. And so we really want to spend today bringing awareness to the topic of brain injury and what that um, looks like for individuals going through that, as well as resources that we have around the state and the wonderful things that the Brain Injury Association is doing and a super cool race that's coming up um, toward the end of this month. If you guys listening have questions or comments or stories about brain injury, we would absolutely love to hear those and take those today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And you can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad that y'all were able to come out and hang with me on a Monday morning. I know Mondays are a struggle for everybody. Uh, they are for me, at least at my house. Mondays are just, they're they're special. But I'm so glad that we're able to cover this topic. Lee, I've had you on before, and it was a great show. But remind our listeners of what um, the Brain Injury Association of Mississippi is. Okay. The Brain Injury Association of Mississippi is the only nonprofit in the state specifically helping brain and spinal cord injury survivors, their families, caregivers, professionals, anybody that needs information or resources about brain or spinal cord injury. Um, we provide that, try to provide that. Mm-hmm. Um, we advocate for more injury prevention laws. That's, you know, a really important topic for us. Um, so we've spent a lot of time at the Capitol. Mm. And uh, we also provide recreational activities for our survivors and their families. 
for instance, the dash and splash that we're having that we'll talk about, um, all the survivors are invited to come and be there and either participate or just be with everybody and, um, and their families. And we have four events every year, including the race, which is also the gala noggin feast, which we just had in May. That's kind of a new event. That was our second year. And then also a golf tournament. But the survivors and their families are always invited to come at no cost. That's fantastic. So that's part of, you know, part of the deal to get them out because we don't want them to be isolated. That's one of the biggest problems for survivors and caregivers. Um, and we try to get them out, you know, and, and having a good time um, to keep from having depression and you know, other things that may lead Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine that having those social connections really does improve not only mental health, but also physical health, just not staying in your home. Absolutely. Um, We have support groups around the state, and I believe support groups are probably the most important thing that we do or that we have um, because they can come together and be with a group of people who know what they've been mm-hmm. through, even though they may have sustained different kinds of injuries and different levels of severity. A lot of the symptoms are still the same, especially for the caregivers. And, um, you know, they may not have solutions for everything, but if nothing else, they can get a phone number and call somebody when mm-hmm. they're having a bad day. And they'll actually understand because even though their families want to help them, if they don't live there, if, you know, or friends, they really don't know what's going on. Um, so I think support groups are just invaluable. Yeah. I really do. And, you know, I feel like that's the case for a multitude of medical conditions. You know, there are support groups for not just brain injury, but for multiple different things. And they really are helpful in dealing with that isolation and that feeling like this only has happened to me or my family um they can be it can be hard though to kind of bite the bullet and go go to a support group it can be intimidating um for that you know when um we lost our middle child to stillbirth you really feel like that's the that you're the only person going through that you know very very isolated um but with the advent of the internet, you know, now you can do virtual yeah. support groups and things like that, which is what I did. And I didn't even interact at first. You know, I just kind of was a creeper. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of <laughs> followed, followed the groups and saw what they posted and that kind of things. And from that, I was able to see that there were so many families going through the exact same thing, having the same struggles and the same feelings. And so, you know, whether you do an online support group or you do an in-person support group, just because you go doesn't necessarily mean you have to air all your business. Um, you can just go and be there and just soak up um, the support that's there for that. Yeah. We have had a lot of people that, um, you know, I think it took them maybe months or maybe even a year to get there Mm -hmm. because they were afraid and they really didn't want to go to something that was just going to be depressing and make it worse. Right. And it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, sometimes people cry. It's not always an easy thing to deal with it most of the time it's not Mm -hmm. but um you know if you start crying there's somebody there to say hey we've been there too Mm -hmm. and guess what it gets better Mm -hmm. it gets Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. and uh, we've really tried to start veteran support groups we've really had a hard time getting that going um it's hard to get them to come talk um so we're still working on that Mm -hmm. being able to keep one going Mm -hmm. we've had one on the coast that was going pretty good for a while but it's, you know, support groups are an ongoing 
process. Right, right. And so if we have any veterans that are listening and they'd be interested in coming to a support group, how can they reach out to you for that? Uh, Just call us at 601-981-1021, or they can email me at ljenkins at msbia.org. Yeah, and then, guys, if you're listening and you didn't get that jotted down, you can always send Southern Remedy a message as well, and we'll put you in contact with these folks. Also on your website, I was playing around on the website this morning, and there's a list of the support groups um, and kind of their location and the times and those types of things. So what's that um, web address for your website? It is msbraininjury.org. Okay. Um, and we've got a relatively new group in Hattiesburg, okay. uh, you know, which is where Camp Shelby is. Mm-hmm. And I think we've had some veterans go to that group. And it's it's really going well okay. real quick. So that's good. been good. Good. All right. Well, let's kind of start with uh, some of the terminology that folks may not be quite as familiar with. So it's a brain injury association, but you'll see a lot of mention of TBI, which is Mm -hmm. traumatic brain injury. But tell us what TBI is. What does it mean to have a TBI? Well, a traumatic brain injury is a jolt or a blow to the head that interrupts the normal brain function, to put it real simply. Uh, It means that it came from an outside force as opposed to an acquired brain injury, which would be from inside, like a stroke, mm-hmm. um, epilepsy, or, or some other mm-hmm. um, thing that you're probably born with or that happens within your head. Mm-hmm. And uh, traumatic brain injury can happen from so many different ways. Um, right now, falls are the number one cause of brain injury, which you know most people are surprised when right. they hear that. But... Um, Falls are getting to be huge, unfortunately. Um, The baby boomers are getting older, which they're a third of the whole population. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, and I'm in there, (laughs) and I've fallen already. Really? And I teach fall prevention classes. Are we going to have to wrap you in bubble wrap? (laughs) I think I need a helmet. I'm (laughs) thinking that everybody may need a helmet or some kind of headpiece at some point. But um you know, you think your balance is fine until you fall. And right. then all of a sudden you realize right. I fell off a ladder. Right. And, I, you know, I've been able to do most anything my whole life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I couldn't believe that happened. Uh, but falls are the number one cause. And so we're dealing a lot with that. Um, getting struck by or against an object is number two, mm-hmm. which is kind of a surprise and not sure exactly what all that's made up of. What falls into that category. Um, but concussions, you know, right. are included in that. And also violence. And violence is a mm. big cause, unfortunately, in our state. Right. And then motor vehicle accidents are number three. And that used to be number one forever. Right. Um, until we passed the seatbelt law in 2006. And that wiped out about a third of the highway deaths and um, has prevented a lot of brain injury. So just right. by putting on a seatbelt. Right. Well, I mean, that really highlights the impact that policy has on health, you know, um, yep. and, and really lobbying for those things that are going to have a, a downward stream effect on on Absolutely. health. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, so you mentioned violence. So I'm assuming we're talking about you know, domestic abuse, child abuse, those types of things, being hit by or struck by something. So, um, you know, being actually physically hit with, right. you know, an object like a bat or, you know, something like mm-hmm. that or um, an object flying through the air and hitting you, um, those types of things. And then the motor vehicle accidents as well, because unfortunately some folks still don't wear a seatbelt. 
crazy. And that happens. And then sometimes even when all the things are done correctly, things yeah. still still happen. That's right. right? You know, um, but we, you know, we really want to focus on um, some of the prevention things that we can can do to help with that. You mentioned that you teach fall prevention classes. Mm-hmm. So my, my spidey sense went off and I was like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, tell me more about the fall prevention classes, because it's it's really, really, really important and something that we don't um, focus on, I think, enough, especially in our population that that's aging. So I do want to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about fall prevention. And then um, Bethany is going to share her story of dealing with traumatic brain injury. We'll be back in just a few. If you have a question or a comment, our number is one mpb ring an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today are Lee Jenkins and Bethany Gaillet, and we are talking about brain injury and some of the things that we can do to prevent those things. Before we went on the break, um, I mentioned that I want to talk about fall prevention because, as Lee mentioned, falls are the number one source of traumatic brain injuries currently. And she mentioned she teaches a fall prevention class. So tell me about fall prevention and what we do to prevent falls. Well, fall prevention is really easy, common sense things that you can do and exercises that you can do to keep your balance intact, Uh, except we don't think about them Mm -hmm. most of the time until it's too late sometimes. And um, so you think about really old people falling, you know, which is all relative now. And the older I get, the younger older people are. But um, you don't have to be... 90 Mm -hmm. to have a fall problem you can be any age actually and the truth is we start falling when we're born so it's not oh gosh i try to make sure they when i do a class that they realize you're not that unusual Mm -hmm. you can be any any age and fall anyway um right now we've got a class going on at new directions which is part of saint dominic's it's their senior health uh, club, I guess is what I would call it, which is a great resource for older people, senior adults out there. costs $15 for a lifetime to join New Directions, and they have got more programs than you can imagine. 7,000 members or something. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. I could do fall prevention classes the rest of my <laughs> That's life. That's right, every single day, all day long. Done. But um, anyway, um, we talk, we I'm actually using or working jointly with the Department of Health mm. on a program that they're using. And um, it is um, a matter of balance is the name of it. And we go through, it's an eight-session class that talks about a lot of different things. But basically, we we end up with a set of exercises that they can take with them 
that they can do after the class is over, during the class, whatever, but we do them together every week. And um, most of them are in the chair, Mm -hmm. so they don't even have to be standing. And then the ones that are standing, they can stand behind a chair and hold on, and we strongly encourage them to do that so they won't fall in the class. Um, But... um, you know, I think if anybody does that, it's kind of like what we were talking mm-hmm. about at the break. If you just stand up and you try to stand on one foot right. in particular, see how long you can do that because yeah. it won't be very long. Yeah, it's not. But there are some simple exercises you can do to just make your balance better. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you you realize there's a problem, you need to tell your doctor. If you fall, you need to tell your yes, doctor. Yes, tell Don't us. Don't keep it a secret. Tell your family. Tell your doctor. Um, and they can send you to physical therapy or somewhere, you know, to correct that if they need mm-hmm. to. Yeah, because, you know, from as a nurse, you know, there's kind of two parts to fall prevention um, for me. One is making sure our environment is as safe as we can make it and then strengthening those muscles that you talked about, you know, your lower extremity um, muscles, so your ankles and your knees and your thighs, those muscles really help in staying upright and not falling over and then what we usually call core muscles which are you know around your you know your abs everybody's favorite but then also um, you know around your lower back and those types of of muscles because when um, you trip or you know you lose your balance having you know, some core stability there kind of lets you, I call it autocorrect and, yeah. and you know, kind of stop yourself from falling all the way. And physical therapy is a great place to learn those um, types of activities. As far as your environment, you know, we want to make sure that we do things like, you know, keep um, cords from running across the, the floor, make sure that rugs are secured so that they're not coming Throw up in your, you know, absolutely. You get, you don't have, nobody has to come, no. come see how get cute your house is. Just rugs. get rid of it. Um, you know, making sure that areas are lighted well so yep. that you can see in those areas. And then maybe, um, you know, if you do have mobility issues, then some of those assistive devices um, in your, you know, tubs and showers and those kinds of things. To, to help with with um, moving and, and uh, not falling down in the right. shower, those types of things. So those are all great ways that we can prevent falls. Now, uh, Bethany, yes. um, you have a son. We have several children. You showed me beautiful pictures <laughs> of them before the show. But um, Robert yes. is, is the son that we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about today. Um, and... I would love to kind of hear your experience and your story as a mom of someone with a traumatic brain injury. Well, I know it's kind of cliche. Everybody says, you know, who's had some tragic incident in their lives that we got the phone call that Mm -hmm. no one ever wants Mm -hmm. to get. Um, We were expecting Robert home within the next 10 or 15 minutes and just kind of waiting for him to get there. And my husband got the call from the uh, park ranger saying that he'd been involved in an accident on the trace. And uh, from there, our world uh, changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. We, he wasn't expected to make it through the night. Um, fortunately for him, he was very athletic and very, uh, very, in very good shape at the time of the accident. So that was beneficial in his recovery um, journey that he is still on. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in November of 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's been almost six years and we have lots of years to go and lots of, uh, hopefully milestones to hit and baby steps to take. Mm-hmm. He, uh, they equated his brain injury with, he, he's classified as a severe traumatic brain injury. 
patient. Um, his was equated to shaken baby syndrome. Okay. His car hit a tree um, and rattled him around. He was wearing a seatbelt. Um, so that the, the brunt of it was there wasn't any one spot on his in his on his head that suffered the most damage. Mm-hmm. Um, he also ended up suffering a stroke afterwards, which was due to uh, lacerated carotid artery. Um, so he he has kind of a double whammy. Mm-hmm. He has the severe traumatic brain injury, and then he has a stroke on top mm-hmm. of that, which affected his left side. Um, but he uh, he was in the neuro ICU at UMC for two full months. Then we went to the floor for a few months. Um, did a, a stint at rehab at Methodist Rehab. He wasn't medically stable at the time, so um, they did you know they put him through some paces to see where he was. Uh, he wasn't at that place mm-hmm. yet. Bearing in mind that he was 16 when the accident happened. He turned 17 a month later. Um, fortunately, in that respect, that gave me as a parent a lot of uh, access to him that I wouldn't have had if he had been 18. Mm. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of resources for 16, 17-year-old children uh, classified as adults that have uh, traumatic brain injuries mm. um, as far as care providers. Okay. Um, we were very fortunate. My husband had just accepted a job in Biloxi as their public works director the weekend that the accident happened. Mm -hmm. And so he was in the process of moving down to Biloxi. We decided as a family that was the best course for us anyway to continue our plan um, because we didn't know what the the future was going to bring. We did still have his younger sister in high school, and uh, we were going to stay in and let them. He let Robert and Caroline finish up school uh, and graduate, and then I was going to move down to the coast with him. In the process of all of this, um, he he was accepted into a program down in Gulfport at Gulfport Memorials uh, inpatient rehab. Um, that was the only place in the basically in the country that would accept him in the in the stage he was he was at the time to even attempt some rehab with him. Okay. Um, he was inpatient for two months at down at Gulfport Memorial. They were wonderful down there, um, and we ended up creating some bonds with with caregivers or um, resources down on the coast and decided that it would be a better option. My husband went and looked at some nursing homes because that's where we were. uh, Different people had advised us that that was the solution. Um, We didn't think that was the best option for a 17-year-old boy um, who you you could see the awareness in... In, and we felt like from the beginning that he understood what was going mm-hmm. on once he came out of his coma, that he understood what was going on. He just didn't have the ability to communicate or um, or respond to different things. Mm-hmm. So we decided with help from the rehab 
uh, the inpatient rehab. They helped the social workers there helped us get some some back some resources that we needed on the coast. And he moved into the apartment with my husband, which was uh, tough as a mom mm, because I wasn't there. Right. Um, it was a good situation for him at the time, and um, we had some help come in to to stay with him during the day while while my husband Dan was at work. Um, after a while, he had a fortunately had an opportunity to come back up and work up in this area, which gave us the ability to join back up as a family and and all live under the same roof, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. Lee and the Brain Injury Association had been in the background with us, helping us figure out some resources and pointing me in the direction of of where to reach out and how to find some of the help that we knew we needed. Mm-hmm. He's um, Robert's totally dependent. Um, he cannot talk. Uh, again, we know that he's aware of everything. The very first sound that he made. Uh, was he laughed on Christmas Day oh. a year, a little over a year after the, the, mm-hmm. the second Christmas after the accident. So, um, and that's his, that's his only verbal communication is that he laughs and he laughs at things that he thinks are funny. <laughs> not, necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily things you think are funny, but no, he thinks they're funny. No, he's still a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> oh gosh, so, I'm raising two. I know yeah. all about what they think is funny. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we've, it, it's, it's, it's a struggle to find people who are willing to come work with him. Mm. Um, physical therapy is fantastic. And we continue to see, um, minor things, minor, ba- you know, baby steps. We, with his injury, you don't know what he's ever going to be capable of. Right. So we just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only you know, the the main way we can push is we do a lot of the therapy ourselves mm-hmm. at home on a daily basis. And I have um, some fortunately some very good help uh, during the day with him uh, taking care of him. He's been relatively healthy for the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and getting therapy, there's just not enough options for um for brain injury patients mm-hmm. to the resources, whether it's uh, an insurance issue or it's a capability issue mm-hmm. um, or a transportation issue for some, for some of the victims, some of I say victims, some of the survivors mm-hmm. um, just being able to get to a physical therapy mm-hmm. appointment is mm-hmm. a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Lee was talking about with the, um, the isolation issue. You know, he had a lot of good friends and still has good friends. It's just not uh, not an easy road for anyone right. to come visit. Right. So, Right. And I actually want to explore that a little bit more when we come back from the break. And if you know someone who has had a brain injury and you're wanting to reach out to them and wanting to visit them, some kind of things that... You should know before you go. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. Uh, Now's a great time to give us a call if you have a question or a comment or want to share your story. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back after the break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. We're talking about traumatic brain injury today, and I'm so blessed to have both Lee Jenkins, who is the executive director of the uh, Mississippi Brain Injury Association, and Bethany Gaillet, who is the mom of a brain injury survivor. And she just shared her um, story uh, about her son, Robert, who was 16 at the time of his motor vehicle accident, um, where he um, suffered a traumatic brain injury and then subsequently a stroke. Um, And it has... um, been really uh, an inspiration to hear about that story because I can imagine, I can't, well actually I can't imagine how difficult those things are. But before we went to the break, we mentioned how we don't want people to stay away and forget that they right. kind of existed. Um, you know, I shared with you guys over the break, uh, you know, that people, that we, we lost our, our middle child and it's almost people were afraid to act like I had a middle child, you know, like they didn't want to right. remind me of the fact that I had one. I was like, I'm not going to forget, you know, that I had <laughs> right. a child. It's actually better if you acknowledge the fact that that she was alive and she, you know, was a person. But, you know, dealing with a, a grown child um, that uh, had a full, you know, I'm sure friend life that he had with, with lots of friends and then something like this happens – what um, what can folks do to kind of still stay involved in their life? And it's from not have not not thinking about it from a visitor standpoint. Uh, it it was hard for me to realize how difficult it it is for other people to handle the situation. Mm-hmm. Also, um, some of his close friends, you know, schoolmates, um, they were very supportive. Our family, our school family, our um, school community, soccer community, you know, Eagle, Boy Scout community, Mm -hmm. all the communities that he was a part of, we were a part of as family, were just 100% supportive and fantastic throughout the the initial um, and, and through the years. But it was brought to my attention. It's just it's from their aspect, from from an outsider or a visitor or a friend's as uh, point of view. It it's a scary thing, um, not knowing what to say, how to act, what to do, and the biggest thing that we've uh, that we enjoy with Robert, bringing him out into to social functions or to athletic events, is just letting him be a part of the outside community mm-hmm. and the social aspect of it. And it really doesn't require anything from a friend or an acquaintance other than letting him exist, you know, in that environment, walking up and saying hi, um, it, you know, understanding that they may not be able to respond the to you or, or acknowledge that, that you're speaking to them. Um, with Roberts, he has, you know, made some strides in being able to turn his head when someone's talking to mm. him to look at them. Um, but without, you know, without knowing that that's a possibility, just walking up to someone in a wheelchair is, is a little bit of a daunting task mm-hmm. for, um, I love small children cause they have no, no filter, <laughs> no, no filter. And he loves it. He laughs mm-hmm. at little kids, um, you know, in, in different situations. And we took him to a wedding 
Saturday mm-hmm. down on the coast with some friends and um, they brought him out onto the dance floor in his wheelchair and ha- he had a group of, you know, fantastic girls dancing around mm-hmm. him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so it was just getting getting him into those mm-hmm. that atmosphere and, and not from from someone who would like to talk to someone in a wheelchair, not ignoring what's mm-hmm. going on um, is I- ignoring the situation is probably as detrimental as just ignoring the person. Right. Um, but it also doesn't have to be the center of what's going on. Right. Um, thinking about if you've had a relationship prior to the incident or, or the event with that person, pick up from there and, and mm-hmm. you know carry on. Um, some of his friends that have come by just talk about what they've been doing mm-hmm. or talk about, you know, what's been going on in their world. And I know based on his, you know, his facial reactions and, and the laughter when things are funny in his point of view, mm-hmm. um, that, that he's enjoying it. Right. Right. Um, so you know, yeah. if you had a favorite movie that you used to watch together or music right. that you enjoyed, you know, just come over and pop it in and just just be exactly you know just be with them in that moment right you don't have to search for the textbook perfect thing to say because it's not out there and no. you know um so just don't be afraid of you know just being back a part of their life you exactly. know now lee when you have someone who may have like a a new brain injury when um is appropriate to reach out to the brain injury association uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, we try to get information to the hospitals um, to give to the families. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes out really fast. It's hard to keep it there. Um, and also, you know, a lot of times I think in the beginning, the families end up with a lot of information. Right. And when they go it's home, overwhelming. It, they put <laughs> it down somewhere and it may still be sitting there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. So. We try to find out about them because of HIPAA. You know, there's right. a, a privacy little, laws. Yeah, I think we've got people slipping through the crack, mm. and we're just doing everything we can to make sure people know that we're here because mm-hmm. um, we understand HIPAA too, and we go by it. We're not mm-hmm. really bound by it, but we we choose we, to go by yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Um, so hopefully, they get in touch with us. When you know, as soon as it happens, just so we can start working on it and trying to make mm-hmm. sure they're filling out paperwork and doing stuff that they need to be doing, dependent on the severity mm-hmm. of the accident. Um, a lot of times, well, most I, I don't know if I should say most of the time, but in a lot of cases, when someone has a brain injury, especially if they're in a coma or put into a medical coma, um, the medical staff is overly negative mm-hmm. I guess I would say and I think they just don't want to give them false hope right so it takes a while to figure out where you're really going to end up mm-hmm. you know it mm-hmm. takes some longer than others uh, but um, hopefully by the time they're ready to go to rehab or ready to go home if they're lucky enough to be able to go straight back home they know about us and we can help mm-hmm. them from there um, was- one recent development has happened um, a great thing for us we have a post-acute brain injury facility now in Crystal Springs. Oh, I did not know. Oh, well, we're just just now getting the information out, and it's just up and going. Mm-hmm. It just opened in March. But um, it's the first time we've had a post-acute facility in the state, 
And so let's say you have a bad car accident and go to the university, mm-hmm. which is the only level one trauma center, um, and go to the NICU. Mm-hmm. When you can participate in three hours of active rehab a day, you go to Methodist Rehab right. most of the time, which is the only acute care right. rehab we've got. Um, then when you are getting out of Methodist, what we've had is either the option of either taking them home or putting them in a nursing home right. or trying to find a facility out of state because we didn't have our own facility. Right. Well, now we have one in Crystal Springs. That's fantastic. Um, it's called Neuro Rehab TAS. Um, NRC TAS is the name of it. We can give people information about how to get in touch with yeah, them too. Absolutely. Um, but we're so excited about it because that means that the survivor gets to stay here closer to their family right and the family can come there and it's just a it's like a home setting so what they're doing there is helping people get back into their uh, daily living activities Mm -hmm. teaching them how to cook again uh walk talk whatever needs you know whatever they need um there's only 12 places there okay Um, spots for 12 folks eight rooms inside of a big facility and then four separate apartments okay and um, it's a great facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that are operating it and opened it are from Louisiana. They've got a lot of experience. So they know what they're doing, and we're lucky to have it. Right. It's only inpatient stuff? Uh, it is inpatient. Okay. Inpatient. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, that that's amazing. I did not know that we had that facility. It's much, much yeah. needed in this uh, day and age yeah. where our, our families were having to either make that decision to go out of state or to, you know, try and do these things at home or do a you know a nursing home yeah. type situation and you know i would imagine there's not a carbon uh, you know a cut formula yeah template nope. for because every single person is going to be different and we've got to do what is right for that individual family at that time um, for their needs and their their desires and, and the best outcome for their loved one there well, and there's so many different parameters mm-hmm. because it has to do with finances, their ability, if you can get into a facility, if you can't, what you know, what are you mm-hmm. going to do? Right. A lot of people think they are able to take them home, mm-hmm. and once they get there and they don't have help, right. they realize they probably shouldn't have done that. Right. I mean, it's just um, there's so many things. Bethany knows. Yes, we were we were advised, you know that the worst thing we could do for Robert would be to bring him home. Mm. Um, again, there was only one facility that would right. take him. So, uh, and we just didn't, you know, we decided to try it ourselves and see what happens. Mm. Um, and I think it in the long run, it's probably been the best situation as far as his medical shape. Mm-hmm. Um because of all the things that he had going on with him in the in the beginning mm-hmm. and being able to to really stay on it on a 24 you know right 24 hour a day 7 days a week mm-hmm. um care program as opposed to being in a facility where mm-hmm. someone else would right you know they'd have to divide his time up but uh from a potentially from a therapy or a, a an ability level we're you know, we're not licensed therapists, right. so um, he probably could have benefited greater from a different type of setting setting mm-hmm. that had more physical therapy involved right. or more right. occupational therapy, right. um, speech therapy. All of that 
not sure where his development would be at this time mm-hmm. if he if that had been a bigger opportunity for him right. at the time. Right. And we're um, hoping that we have more of these facilities, not mm-hmm. just this one. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. You know, we're, do you know, does that facility, is it only for adults or is it for any age? Or it, it's you, only for adults for at adults. this point. Okay. Yeah. What are our options for our little ones? Well, actually, um, under the Medicaid rules for people that are on Medicaid, it will pay for people to go out of state oh, okay. for kids. Okay. Um, but there again, they've got to be at the stage where they can participate in three right. hours of active rehab right. a day. And, you know, it would be hard to let go of your child. Oh, absolutely. To go to another state. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we have um, been able to get a lot of our kids into Timber Ridge Ranch, which okay. is in Benton, Arkansas. And it's a great facility. Um and then Shepherd Center in Atlanta, um, to me, is probably one of the best facilities in the country. Okay. But that, you know, it's been coming over years and a lot of building, a lot mm-hmm. of years behind them and a lot of donations yeah. and and money. Yeah. So um, we're, we're making baby steps, so to speak. But um, it took about five years to get a license created for a post-acute facility, and we did that. And it's been a step-by-step process. But now we have one open, and then hopefully we'll have one in North Mississippi and one on the coast. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take our last break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dash and Splash. <laughs> That's the race coming up at the end of the month. If you've got um, a question or a comment, you can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. That's a great place to request any more information about any of the services that we've been talking about this morning. We'll be back after the break. MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we have been talking about brain injuries today. And I've had two guests with me, um, Bethany Gaillet, who is a mom of a brain injury survivor, and then Lee Jenkins, who was actually Lee Jenkins' moss. She just neglected to tell me that she got married in October and that she has a new last name. So we want to give props to her new hubs because I'm sure he is a wonderful human being because he is married to a wonderful (laughs) human being. But so we've got Lee Jenkins' moss with us, who is the executive director director of the Brain Injury Association of Mississippi. And we've shared lots of great content today, but I absolutely want to make sure that we talk about the dash and splash because I think that sounds amazing. And, you know, I run 5Ks with my uh, oldest son. He just turned 11. And so um, tell me about this because I feel like I need to lace up. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, the dash and splash started in, I think, 2013. Um, This will be our sixth year. Um, it's a 5K run, walk, and roll. So we have a wheelchair oh, awesome. category as well. Um, at Old Trace Park, it's going to be on June 29th at 9 o'clock. 
I and really appreciate that it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Some know, of those suckers too. start at 7.30 in the morning, and that, that's a rough one. Um, <laughs> I, I used to be a runner, and I did a lot of races. And I, when I started with this race, I said, we're going to start at 9. I had a lot of people looking at me like, that's kind of late. And I said, no, Mm-mm. 9 o'clock's good. A lot of people would rather not do 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's at 9. Um so that people that are participating can either walk, run, or roll. When they get through, we have all kinds of water activities. Uh, we have uh, water balloons, water slides, watermelon. Oh, my we gosh. We have super soakers. People can bring their own super soakers. We've got, um, like, bins of water they can refill them with and squirt each other. They can squirt their parents. They oh, thank can, you for that. <laughs> <laughs> they squirt me. Um, we actually have adults doing the water slides as well. Mm-hmm. We are safe about it, but we have a timeout and let the adults have the water slide. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. No, that I sounds amazing. It, so. It's my youngest. He's eight. And so he's not... He's not taken to running quite as well as his older brother has. Um, so he, he burns bright for a little while, and he's like, I'm done with this. Well, but he loves water stuff. Too. Yeah. Uh, oh, that might be a good option. Yes. So you've got a one-mile fun yeah. run? It's not quite a mile. Okay. <laughs> it seems like a <laughs> short mile. eight something. Uh, they really don't care. No, they don't. You know, it is funny to watch them, though. They take off, mm-hmm. and then most of them are not nor. Uh, running a whole lot i guess you would say yeah. and so they kind of burn out real quick uh-huh. and by the time they get through they're just dying yeah and, you know but yeah. yeah we do but it's fun i mean that's yeah. fun for them and then you can cool off with these splash activities as well which is a really nice option i probably won't mind being squirted with something <laughs> after no. after mm-hmm. running in the beautiful mississippi heat um even at nine o'clock in the morning there so if you want to get registered for the dash and splash how we do that Go to raceroster.com slash 22561. If you can't remember that, go to raceroster.com and put dash and splash, and it will come up. It'll take you to it. But 22561 for people who do races is the number for it. Um, They could also go to the website and do it that way, which is msbraininjury.org. There's a, a button on the homepage where you can go It'll straight to registration. To it, right? Yeah, and same day registration as well. If you just want to show up, we'll do same day registration until eight thirty. Okay, so from seven thirty to eight thirty that morning. Uh, we're having also pre-registration the day before, and we'll be at the Ridgeland Rec Center, which is right there at Old Trace Park. Mm-hmm. From, I think, 4 till 6 o'clock okay. on the 28th. Okay. Uh, we're also having a pre-registration bash at Catherine's Steakhouse. Oh, I know where that is. <laughs> on the 26th okay. from 5 till 7. We had one last week and signed up 30-something people. Wow. Catherine's has been a really big supporter of ours, and um, they have won the Biggest Team Award, which we have two awards, Biggest Team and Most Team Spirit. How do you get most team spirit? Well, last year, the the team that won was the Thin Blue Line team, and that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But Mitchell Chapel is a highway patrolman who was in a bad accident, um, and he has re- rehabbed himself back to being able to run. I think he's run a half marathon. Wow. Anyway, Mitchell and his friends who, you know, support him have and family, they've got a big team, and so they all dressed up together and... Yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. having highway patrolmen out there running and absolutely uh, and supporting mm-hmm. brain injury and um, that's how. But but we're not limited to that. So if you like to put tutus on or whatever, 
Oh. I'm, I'm hoping we end up with all kinds of. Well, I will have to get creative there. and see what I can come up with there because I'm right. going to lace up my shoes for this. I think this is a great opportunity um, to get out and spread awareness for a great organization who is helping meet a need that um, that we have for families like Bethany's. Um, and so I, listeners that you're out there, I would love to see you um, on Saturday, June 29th for the Dash and Splash at Old Trace Park. If you missed how to get registered for that, feel free to email me at fit at mpbonline.org and we'll uh, get you that information. Bethany, you got anything closing you want to say? Well, there is one category that Lee didn't mention, and that's, that's the Phantom Runners, oh, um, yeah. which would Thank be you. my category because <laughs> uh, 5Ks and I don't get along all that well. That's all right. Um, Phantom Runners are people, I the shirts are phenomenal. They're great colors and, and a good way to show your support mm-hmm. for the Brain Injury Association, even if you don't want to run. So there's a Phantom Runner category that uh, you pay the fee like you're going to run the race, you get the swag, you get the shirt, but then you don't have to sweat. You don't the have to sweat. You don't no. have to sweat or get soaked exactly. by anything. Come and play in the water. If you right. you go. Absolutely, and get some watermelon. Yeah. So you know, even if you're not a runner, don't forget you can support the Brain Injury Association that way. So, gosh, ladies, thank you so much for well, being you. on the show, Bethany. Thank you for sharing your story, and Lee, always thank you for spreading the awareness about brain injury and resources available across our state. Thanks to our listeners as well. And remember to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.